Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Texas, Arizona, the fall classic is here. Now, if you at the start of the season had gone to Bet Online Sportsbook, used our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, and gotten your 50% welcome bonus using the link in the description to this episode, you could have gotten the Texas Rangers at plus 5,000 to win the World Series and the Arizona Diamondbacks at plus 6,600 as world champions. Diamondbacks had the 25th best odds. Texas had the 20th best odds. If you want to take a stab at the World Series now, Bet Online Sportsbook, use our promo code BLEAVE to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Watching Bryce Harper over the last few weeks has been nothing sort of sensational, and it got me to think about an old topic. We've talked about it before, but an old topic that was talked about a lot during Bryce Harper's early part of his career, his comparison against Mike Trout. Who would you rather start your franchise with? Who is the face of the MLB? Who is the best outfielder of this generation? It used to be Mike Trout running away with it. With all the MVPs, all the personal accolades, leading the league in home runs, leading the league in stills. At this point, as Bryce Harper sits in his second straight NLCS with another chance at going to the World Series, I think it's Bryce Harper. And I, I don't think I have any qualms. I don't think that's hot takey anymore. I, I think it's truly defined that Bryce Harper has surpassed Mike Trout um, at the age of 31. Uh, Kyle Ledbetter, what say you? Remember four years ago when the Washington Nationals won the championship? in the first year after Bryce Harper left to go to Philadelphia is one of the most random world champions that baseball has ever had a sport. That's completely random. It's one of the most random world champions they've ever had. And that season was maybe the lowest point of Bryce Harper's reputation and career three years later, which was last playoff run. He had shaken that off all the way. He won an MVP. He was the postseason hero for the Philadelphia Phillies. Just awe-inspiring performances, the game-winning home run to close out the NLCS against the Padres, so many big home runs against the Braves. Every time Bryce Harper comes to bat, you're afraid that that baseball is going to go out of the yard. Or if you're a fan of baseball, you're excited to think about that baseball going out of the yard. And he had one of the greatest postseasons of all time. Like they, they showed the OPS numbers through a postseason run and Bryce Harper was like top five all time. And he came back and did it again this year after elbow surgery, after moving to first base to accommodate Reese Hoskins, tearing his ACL and him not being able to play in the outfield. After all of that, Bryce Harper's doing it again. And now, I mean, Bryce Harper is regarded as maybe the best player in baseball right now. And for him to go from where he was four years ago to now is just a remarkable improvement. And I don't know where it stands in the pantheon of Bryce Harper versus Mike Trout. Both of them are going to be Hall of Famers. Both of them are going to regard it as the class of baseball and guys who represented the game the right way and all that sorts of yada, yada, yada stuff. But I don't know how they compare at this point, but what Bryce Harper has continued to do has just been so exciting to see because he is him in the in the simplest way I can describe it. He is him and he has these last two playoff runs given us 
postseason moments to last a lifetime. As Philly fan or not, we're going to remember these two postseason runs and look back on baseball history and be like, hey, the Phillies have made it to, to two straight World Series. Even if they don't win one of them, that was the Bryce Harper run. And we're going to remember that because of how he put Philadelphia on his back and took them to two World Series potentially. If he doesn't win it, it will feel very Jimmy Butler-esque. But we know with baseball, it tends to be 25 individual sports happening at the same time. And we know that that has been to Mike Trout's detriment when it comes to his career legacy. We look at the Angels and the fact that the pitching has never been right. The bullpen has never been right. The manager has never been right. The front office has never been right. And those have been all knocks against him and have held him back. But when I compare the two... I think what's been this true separator is the fact that, unfortunately, Mike Trout may go his entire career, as sad as it is to say, without having a true meaningful at-bat, without having a true meaningful postseason at-bat. And Bryce Harper, what he has done in the postseason with his postseason at-bats, even when he was a national, and yes, the Nationals fell short of making a World Series by dumb luck, by happenstance, by a Brandon Belt 18th inning home run. All those things combined to keep the Nationals from making a World Series during the time Bryce Harper was there. But during that time, he was still raking. He was still putting balls in the stands. Uh, one of the all-time moments I'm going to remember, you know, is him versus Hunter Strickland. He got the better of Hunter Strickland in that exchange. But Bryce Harper was still doing yeoman's work as a national in the postseason and that's only been compounded by what he's done with the philadelphia phillies i'm not going to knock mike trout entirely but one thing that i've noticed about bryce harper in his time with the phillies is the leadership intangible i think the leadership intangible has been on full display with what he's done with the philadelphia phillies and mike obviously i'm sure leads by example with what he does on the field but at a certain point, when you don't really have success with the manager, the front office, whatever it may be, you do, do kind of question like his ability to lead men in the same way that Bryce Harper has been. Because you're going to tell me during the course of an entire decade long career where you're the, be you're the best player in the world, you never encouraged another teammate to elevate their play beyond their means. Because there, there are similar teammates that these two players have that I've thought about. So obviously, Anthony Rendon, he spent time with the Nationals when Bryce Harper was there. He's obviously spent time with the Angels with Mike Trout was there. You look at a guy like Marsh right now who spent time with both the Angels and Phillies with both Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. In both those instances, Rendon, you got the most out of him when he was a national alongside Bryce Harper. Marsh, you got the best out of him as a Philly alongside Bryce Harper. Both those players, when they were an Angel, when they played with Mike Trout, you didn't get the best out of them. And I'm not, again, putting all that blame on Mike Trout, but it kind of makes me wonder is there a missing leadership intangible that none of his teammates have ever played above their heads during their time while playing alongside him? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because people regard the Angels. I mean, we've talked about baseball hell before. People have chalked that up to the Angels. And I don't think I've ever considered the possibility that Mike Trout played a role in that because he's always been the pariah, right? He's always been the guy who the organization is wasting away because they don't know how to evaluate talent. They don't know how to develop talent. They, they got dumb luck in landing Mike Trout and then haven't developed a significant major league prospect since, except for maybe Cole Calhoun, which you could argue how good or bad Cole Calhoun's MLB career was. It wasn't like he was this world-beating outfielder who was paired alongside Mike Trout it, it was a lot of like we're going to try and get Justin Upton we're going to try and get Albert Pujols we're going to try and get Anthony Rendon Zach Cozart we're going to pay a premium because we don't know how to develop 
our own players and put them in positions to succeed. I'd never really considered the Mike Trout element of that until you had just brought it up. So I don't really have a strong thought in either direction towards it. What I think is interesting and, and separates these two careers also is that, you know, Mike Trout was a first round pick, but Mike Trout was a relative unknown. Mike Trout came into the league, burst on the scene, was having these incredible web gem plays and, there was legends of him hitting 40 home runs and stealing 40 bases and robbing home runs. But most people were only watching Mike Trout's career via highlights. Call it regional baseball. Call it the Angels being bad. Call it being on the West Coast and people in the Central and Eastern time zones not staying up to watch Angels versus Mariners on a Friday night. Be it the baseball not putting the Angels in prime time. Be it Mike Trout actively shying away from the spotlight like Mike Trout a lot of his career existed in the shadows right like Mike Trout was doing his thing over there in Los Angeles that people heard about people who loved baseball watched in highlights but you never really like got the the full Mike Trout experience a lot of it was kind of legend with Mike Trout right a lot of it was happening over there in Los Angeles but we're not really watching it all that the best years of Mike Trout were being watched from the sidelines. And then obviously the injury started and Otani comes over and now we're watching Otani instead of Trout and all that stuff. But Jeff Passan made a great point on the Harper side of things where Bryce Harper at 16 years old was identified as the number one pick in the MLB draft. Bryce Harper had all of the expectations in the world. He left high school to end up essentially training for a season to play baseball. Bryce Harper was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Bryce Harper was the number one pick in the draft. He had every expectation in the world, number one prospect in the history of baseball. And not only did he hit the expectations, he exceeded the expectations. Like, think how different that is as of a dichotomy between Trout, whose greatness existing in the shadows, and Bryce Harper, who is the greatest prospect maybe in the history of baseball and somehow exceeded every expectation people had for him. I think that's something that will work in Harper's favor is that the narrative had been built up there. The story had been built up and between the nationals and the Phillies, because the Phillies weren't a very well-run organization until Dave Dombrowski got there. And until they got Rob Thompson in place, instead of the rotating cast of crappy managers, Joe Girardi and others that they had in the, in the wing, like despite it all, Bryce Harper exceeded every expectation. And I think that's something that in the historical arc is going to work in favor of Bryce Harper. And Mike Trout, I should say still has the statistical advantages over Bryce Harper in many categories, when it comes to batting average, he still has like about a 20 point career batting average lead. Uh, he's got him beat by about 70 home runs now. But I, I think one thing that was separating them very early on is Bryce Harper was dealing with a lot more injuries early in his career. Uh, right now, you look at Mike Trout, he's dealing with a lot more injuries late in his career. So there is a window of opportunity if Bryce Harper can carry his end and stay healthy, that he might be able to pass Mike Trout in the, some of those statistical categories which would ultimately leave no doubt on who was the better outfielder of this generation. And I look at that Jeff Passan point you mentioned of being identified from the point of being 16. And I look at that as even more in Harper's favor as well. The fact that he had the most pressure at bats, even in the regular season, because I don't think there was a lot of people that liked him early on in his career. There was a lot of people that identified him in the same way people look at LeBron James, right? And look at him as a little bit of entitlement as far as being crowned the best in the world at such a young age. The pressure in those at-bats compared to the pressure in Mike Trout's at-bats, especially when, again, Mike Trout, they're not competing for the playoffs. Year in and year out, they're not competing for the playoffs. 
Bryce Harper's teams, whether it was Nationals or Phillies competing for the playoffs, those at-bats mean more even on a game-by-game basis, even in the context of a 162-game season. Those at-bats just meant that much more on every time Harper walked up to the batter's box. And I, I have to give him the edge there. So it's, you know, numbers are starting to trend in Harper's favor. The postseason, there, there's no even comparison. Like, I, I just don't see the tunnel for Mike Trout to even get any postseason success for the rest of his career. Because at this point, if Mike Trout, let's say he does end up on a team that we consider an active contender, right? Let's say the Angels clean house. He's traded to the Dodgers tomorrow as much as I don't want to see it. He's going to be looked at as more of a side option rather than an entree, right, for the team. Like Bryce Harper, he's looked at as the driving force behind the Philly success. Yes, you could say Nick Castellanos is having a hell of a season. Schwarber clubbed another home run the other night. Uh, The pitching has kind of come together for the Phillies. But people look at Bryce Harper as he is the guy putting this team on his back and leading the Phillies to another World Series run. Mike Trout, if he went to a World Series contender right now, he would be looked at as the supporting cast, the role player, not the star. Again, the Dodgers, he's outshined by Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. If he ended up on the Braves, he would be like the fourth best player on that team. There's just not like a a team where Mike Trout would be the leader. And I don't, again, going back to the leadership and tangible thing, again, not putting all the Angels failures on Mike Trout. I don't know if he can be that at this point. He's never been the rah-rah guy. And as much as I've never been a rah-rah guy in my life and my former leadership, I've always been a lead by example guy. I think in sports, the rah-rah guy is much more needed than the lead by example guy. Mike Trout's in a no-win position at this point, I feel like, in terms of people reputationally on him. Now, unless he goes to, say, the Dodgers, and then you have a a team of Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. Say that's their batting line. I know I put the Otani thing in there just to prick you a little bit, but say that that's the four guys in the rotation there for the Dodgers batting order. Like, I don't know if Trout gets to be win-win because it's like, oh, look at all these players that they had and unless he has this incredible postseason performance that leads to us you know forgetting that Mookie Betts is like six for 47 since the 2021 NLCS or Freddie Freeman not having a hit in the entire playoffs against the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks like I I don't know what the win-win position is for Trout there but I don't think he needs to chase that at this point like Mike Trout wanted to stay in Anaheim he likes the life that he has there and the thing that he'll always have over Bryce Harper is that that statistical advantage and I know Harper might catch him at the back end of his career on some of the longevity statistics but that four-year run where Mike Trout was without question the best player in the history of baseball I mean people called it you know Mickey Mantle and a combination of Mickey Mantle and you know whoever else you want to point to like Trout is going to have that as a an advantage for the rest of his career because that part of the career has already been signed sealed and delivered like for Harper's sake for Trout's sake maybe you could argue this right now is the prime of Bryce Harper's career but I I think that's signed sealed and delivered in favor of Mike Trout and anything he does at this point I feel like is gravy because we we all recognize he's not the best player baseball anymore we all recognize that he's still very good but often injured we've slipped on the banana peel so many times with the angels (laughs) with two different generational superstars that we're just kind of numb to it at this point so 
I think that part's already written for Trout, but he's, he'll always have that run from 2013 to 2019, call it five to six years, where he was either one or two in the MVP every single season, one or two in war every single season. He'll always have that to work with. The prime of Mike Trout's career, he'll always have that as a statistical advantage. To add to your point, it's a blowout when it comes to war. Uh, Mike Trout has currently 85 wins above replacement for his career versus Harper, only sitting at 46. So that at least is a blowout category in Mike Trout's favor. But again, there's just the modest discounting of it, just given the pressure in Harper's at-bats versus the pressure in Mike Trout's at-bats over that time. I don't want to put all the blame on Mike Trout, but there has to be something. Over the course of a decade-long career, we've seen other players, other superstar players, be able to elevate the players around them, and that just never happened. And it's crazy to think it just will never happen as long as Mike Trout's in Anaheim. Again, baseball hell. And again, going to another team where he'll be a role player. As you mentioned, that's a no-win proposition. But what I would just ended on is just saying again what Bryce Harper is doing with the Phillies it's just so fun to watch it's the best example of one of the long-term contracts handed out in the MLB that we have ever seen we haven't seen any of these long-term contracts ever work but it turned out betting on a at the time what 27 28 year old Bryce Harper was the best bet that the Phillies and as you mentioned Dombrowski could have made we're seeing it you know they built that lineup to be a star-studded lineup Trey Turner's come on hot I I think the Phillies as much as it pains me to say it like as a Giants fan are one of the most fun watches in baseball and I I am rooting for them this year although if they do face the Rangers which right now as we record this it's looking like the Rangers have the edge go Bruce Bochy but still Bryce Harper's probably my favorite non-Giants player in the league the Bryce Harper part is Excellent. He is he's having a back end of his career that is impeccable. He's won an MVP with the Phillies. He's now been NLCS MVP. He's going to maybe win another NLCS MVP and be the best player on a team going to the World Series like it has been impeccable. But the the thing that you said about Mike Trout, I think is very eluding. It's like there has to be some sort of explanation, right? It can't just be an organization was so bad failed the greatest player baseball has seen since Alex Rodriguez failed him at every turn for a decade for a decade straight it, it, that can't like that that explanation doesn't sit well with anyone there has to be something that can explain it away something that details why the greatest player we've seen in 20 years in probably both of our lifetimes. I know you're a big Barry Bonds guy and and you got half of his career with the Giants, but the best player any of us have seen in both of our lifetimes can't just be the explanation, right? There has to be something there. There has to be some sort of flaw. And it's a super dissatisfying answer to be like, at every turn, the organization let him down. They didn't develop. They didn't draft. The free agents they tried to sign didn't work out the way they intended because the free agents were just making up for how terrible they had been at surrounding him with talented players before. It's super dissatisfying as an answer. It leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. And yet it's the best explanation we have for why Mike Trout has been Mike Trout. And and look, Bryce Harper's only made the playoff in half of the seasons he started in his MLB career. It's not like Bryce Harper is this world beater who's gone to the best of the best organizations and always been in the playoffs like Aaron Judge. It's not quite like that. But at the same time, Bryce Harper, what he's doing recently is just so much fun to watch. And even though he's clearly not the player that Mike Trout was, it doesn't make a difference 
in terms of the enjoyment, because right now he's the best player in baseball and it's super, super fun to watch. And I'm hoping that the Phillies go on a deep playoff run because man, it would be awesome to see them back in the world series. The first team to go back to back to the world series since what the Dodgers in 2018, like the first time in five years that any team has gone back to back in the world series is going to be Philadelphia led by this, the Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, JT Real Muto, Trey Turner team with two top end starting pitchers and three great relievers. I mean, it's awesome, right? It's not the end of his career, but I'm super glad that in year 11 and year 12 of the Bryce Harper experience, we now get a run in the postseason that gives us a new appreciation of one of the greatest players baseball has ever seen. Again, it's a common comparison. It's a well-deserved comparison. Bryce Harper, Mike Trout. Do you think Bryce has finally done enough to surpass Mike Trout in his career? Or do you think Mike Trout still has the career advantage? We'd like to hear where you're thinking between these two greatest of all time players. Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on all our social medias. From Juju and Kyle, stay safe, happy, and healthy. We'll see you next time. You know, last year was a weird season for the Giants. I went in with zero expectations, not happy at all. Carlos Correa, that whole mess that happened, kept missing on more free agents left and right. The free agents we signed, I mean, God, Ross Stripling, yay. Sean Manaya, yay. Mitch Hanniger, what he missed like half the season. Yeah, it was it was great to be a Giants fan last year. But you know what? They, they these These assholes decided they wanted to give me hope <laughs> midpoint in the season. Yes, you know, I, I will call them out a little bit. I, I will use a little bit of, you know, derogatory language here because they gave me hope, which I think is the worst thing you could do to a sports fan. In June, the hottest team in baseball. At one point, they I think they stole the lead in the NL West, or if anything, they were second behind the Dodgers, just tra- and ahead of the Diamondbacks, who are now in the World Series. You know, put that into perspective. Either way, they, they finished with one of the worst August and Septembers I think I've ever seen in my lifetime they were consistently 27th through 30th and like on base percentage obp whatever analytic stat or traditional stat you want to look at for hitting they were bad at it which ultimately led to i guess what you'd call a good thing gabe kapler's gone who knows Farhan zaidi he's staying he just got an extension the other day um who else is coming in who's going to be that manager um well bob melvin bob melvin now formerly of the San Diego Padres. I guess it's a good thing I'm talking to a Padres fan. Should I get excited about Bob Melvin? Yes, you should get excited about Bob Melvin because from a Giants standpoint, you weren't going to be able to do better than Bob Melvin. Like Bob Melvin is not Bruce Pochi. Okay. Like Bob Melvin is a very, very, very good manager. Players usually get along with him for a certain period of time. He has good relationships with the front offices he works with until the last one and the end in San Diego. But usually he's able to withstand Oakland A's management giving him very specific detailed instructions. San Diego giving him very specific detailed instructions and able to work with the the ingredients in the kitchen. One of the reasons Bruce Bochy left San Francisco in the first place is he didn't want to play the games that Farhan Zaidi was with lineups and roster construction and input from the front office and stuff. No, and no, no, and no, he Kyle, wanted more flexibility he and autonomy. Retired. 
he retired. Don't you remember? That's what they they told us, at least at the time. He retired. You know, Brian Sabian, he also just kind of wanted to do his own thing, right? That's that's what the Giants told us as a organization, and at least Sabian and Bochy at the time went along with because they thought, you know, it was the right thing to do. And, that, and that's that's what that's what happened, right? Uh, unless you listen yeah. to Larry Kruger's podcast like a week ago when Brian Sabian came out and said, Oh, yeah, they it's just nice to be wanted again. Oh, and Bruce Bochy, you know, until he decided to unretire, go to the Texas Rangers and immediately lead that team to a World Series appearance. Yeah, it, it just feels like the giant state is cruel right now. And I, I don't know how to contextualize it. And I'm, I know I'm probably disrespecting Bob Melvin. You're right. He might be a great manager. He might be a very good manager. But, you know, you also mentioned he knows how to work with what's in the kitchen. Why didn't he work with what's in the kitchen in San Diego where you had one of the highest payrolls in baseball? Well, let me give you the answer to that question uh, in two two responses here. And first of all, let me acknowledge that, yes, Bruce Bochy did retire, wink, by the San Francisco Giants. And it had nothing to do with the fact that Farhan Zaidi was pressuring him to change his managerial style because of the way that he wanted to run his organization and have a level of power. The reason that Bob Melvin uh, and San Diego didn't work last year is a twofold reason. Uh, one, their general manager, A.J. Preller, is a well-documented asshole. Uh, very, very well-documented over years asshole. Nobody likes him. He treats his employees like crap. And I personally think that he's not. I mean, like he he did a good job building the San Diego team into what it was before they ended up spending ridiculously large amounts of money. But personally, he hit on some trades. He missed on some trades. He's no better or worse than any other general manager in my mind. So that's the first reason. The second reason is Manny Machado has a reputation of a player who is a diva. I won't say Manny Machado is a diva, has a reputation of a player who is a diva. Uh, There were reports this last season that they had like 17 meetings within a span of seven weeks because they had made detailed points about like, this is what accountability should look like. This is what our team should be doing in order to to get better and to step up. And then uh, nobody would follow through on the plans that they had originally made. So yeah, like that's part of the reason why it was there. And I am very happy for Bob Melvin that Bob Melvin is now going to get to go coach the San Francisco Giants after delivering San Diego their essentially first championship. I am very grateful for all that he did, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with the San Francisco team. And I know I said San Diego's championship. Look, beating the 111-win Dodgers was our championship. Bob Melvin owes me nothing after that incredible season that they delivered. So what if last year was a debacle? I'm just happy that he's going to to be happy because I want what's best for that man. He seems very nice. He he missed part of the season because he was dealing with health issues. He seems like a very nice man, and I believe he's going to be much happier in San Francisco than he was this last season in San Diego, dealing with the asshole general manager and Manny Machado who wanted to be a leader without any of the accountability. Why a lot of people wanted Gabe Kapler gone was he seemed smug. He didn't seem genuine. But why fans probably wanted him gone besides just the way he acts or conducts himself in his personal life, being a slave to analytics, you know, just always choosing analytics and platoons over what he's seeing and filling on the field. You know, we see plenty of instances in which pitchers, they didn't really buy in when they got the quick hook. They see him rolling out of the dugout and he's like, oh, right, we got to put in this guy who... Just allowed a home run yesterday. He's probably going to allow a home run today. But because, you know, there's a lefty batter, we got to throw in this lefty scrub. That's essentially kind of like some of the exchanges we saw from Gabe Kapler and players. 
So yeah, there was also not buying from players as well as fans. Bob Melvin, he's an older guy, been around the block. You mentioned he's been with the A's organization. The A's, one of the early adopters of analytics. You know, He's been with Arizona, of course, most recently in the Padres. And what do you think he brings to this team? Does he have enough of that old school to be able to really make a notable difference between him and Gabe Kapler last year? I would say yes, because the difference between him coming into that locker room and Jace Tingler, who was the previous Padres manager being there, was like night and day. Like Jace Tingler was AJ Preller's guy. They used to work together in Texas, and he didn't know what he was doing in terms of being a a manager who's working with the front office and relating to players. Like Bob Melvin is one of the best in baseball at bridging the gap between the old school manager who connects as a leader Uh, You know, leader of men is often the thing that's associated with coaches. And it's this very prominent title of like, when you are a coach, you are attributed this idea of leader of men. And Bob Melvin is a leader and he's someone who is able to bridge that gap with management and connect and like look at and and looks at analytics and looks at this identity. Most of his foundation was with the Oakland organization with very, very different teams during his tenure in Oakland. And Bob Melvin is one of the best in baseball at bridging that gap. Now, people will argue there's a ceiling to what Bob Melvin is going to bring you, but they just say that because he's never had a team capable of really winning a champion. Like you could argue some of those Oakland teams with Joanna Cespedes and John Lester in 2014 had a puncher's chance or the 2020 team that won the AL West and then lost to the Astros. But he's never really been given a team that has a puncher's chance of winning the World Series. Even the Padres team that beat the Dodgers was the five seed in the National League. Like he's never been given the keys to one of the best of the best organizations in baseball. And I think that Bob Melvin elevates the people around him. I think he has a a reputation of players really liking him and and him having a mutual there's a mutual respect between them and other that this is the first time at the end of his run in San Diego that we've seen issues between him and the general manager or him in the front office and I'm willing to chalk that one up to being AJ Preller's fault because AJ Preller is a well-documented asshole who treats his employees like crap. So again, I think that Bob Melvin left Oakland mutually parting ways. They were like, "Look, we we are tearing this thing to the ground. You deserve better. You go." And they were willing to let him walk. Like they, it was a very mutual respect at the end in Oakland and a mutual respect even in being fired back in Arizona and good lord I have respect for him at the end in San Diego so much so that he's leaving and San Diego is going to replace him with like Ryan Flaherty as their next manager and I'm like yes good for Bob Melvin I just want good things for that man like just a a mutual respect and players walk out the door with respect for him let's hold up you know you want good things for that man but are the Giants good things? That That's the question that, that comes to mind for me because last season, again, you know, they started off slow. Then they got really hot, like red hot, like hot as the sun hot. And then they got Antarctica cold. They got cold as Pluto. So I, I'm looking at this team and I, it's, gosh, the questions about Farhan Zaidi getting an extension too even start to come to mind because last year we got to see his prospects come into the big leagues. Weren't really too impressed by like, his prospects, guys like Casey Smith, Luis Matos, just didn't really live up to the high. Marco Luciano kind of got a cup of coffee here and there. I didn't really do too much, nothing too exciting. Hunter Bishop's just sitting in the minor leagues, uh, wasting his time, wasting away. Elliot Ramos, like 
again, just nothing really there that's too exciting. Uh, we got lucky with Patrick Bailey at catcher. I think I'm okay with him. He's probably a good building block player to have. Logan Webb's still like a, a true legitimate ace. But that's really about it. Again, I look at this Giants roster construction, and it's just just so thin. And the veterans we do have, a Jock Peterson, year after year, just, you know, he, he's just looking slower. He's just looking more out of shape, which, I'm sorry, Jock, it just is what it is. You, you got to get in better shape than to be an everyday player in this league. He's just not that player anymore in this league for them. And, you know, other veterans like Yastrzemski, you can't count on him. When is he ever healthy? Mitch Hanniger, again, I mentioned him. You signed him to a deal. When is he ever healthy? Uh, Conforto, I, I want to say there's a player option on Conforto this year. So maybe he might be back. Maybe he won't be. Maybe he did just enough in San Francisco to get another contract somewhere else for more money. But there is so much pressure, at least I thought, going into this offseason on Far Anxiety. But now that he has an extension, I, I, I have questions. Like, is there any pressure to sign a big name free agent? Because, again, that's what Giants fans are yearning for. So to answer your question on Bob Melvin, like this being a good thing for him, like maybe he goes to Houston, but do you want to invite that into your life with all the pressures that come with managing the Houston Astros post Dusty Baker? I don't know if that's something Melvin was interested in. Uh, the other thing is just kind of like lifestyle based, like for so many years in Oakland, you know, this Giants fans were like, why don't we hire Bob Melvin? Why don't we just go get Bob Melvin from the, the poverty franchise across the Bay, right? Like that was what people were saying for years. And Northern California is home for him. I think personally, he's going to find more enjoyment being back in Northern California. Uh, San Diego was always a temporary stop for him. It was never a, a long-term thing for him. It was just the job that was going to pay him when he was when Oakland was ready to tear everything to the ground in 2021. I think that he's going to personally enjoy being back in Northern California more. And unless he was just going to wait it out for the Dodger job to come available or the Astro job, if he was going to invite that into his life, I don't think there was much better Bob Melvin was going to do because I mean, most teams aren't really in the market for managers right now, or at least the teams that are worth a damn aren't in the market for managers. So I, I think Bob Melvin did great. And this is, I don't want to say a dream job because it's not a dream job for him, but this is probably the best circumstance he could fall into because he already has an incredible reputation for in that crappy Oakland A's organization being the bright spot year after year and winning manager of the year and all sorts of stuff. So I, I think the Giants couldn't have done better and it totally made sense why he pursued that job once he knew it was available. But any commentary on like the roster as is, the prospects that we know, and Farhan Zaidi gaining an extension, do you think the Giants should have done that? Oh, no, no, definitely not. No, I mean, they're the fourth <laughs> best team in the National League now. I mean, come on. I'm Sorry, fourth best team in the National League West. I wish sorry, they were Arizona fourth best team in the National them. League. Yeah, that would have been nice. No, yeah, Arizona just jumped them. No, I, I don't see the vision for the Giants, but I also don't know. I mean, like, they're trying something different, right? They're trying, baseball has dis has turned into the 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 high upper class players who are worth $300 million supplemented by players who are really cheap. It is about the, the super, super highly paid players and the super, super lowly paid players in baseball. And the middle class has become non-existent. What the giants have decided is what if we try and find value between a middle class that is being squeezed out of baseball, that is essentially their game plan year after year and two mixed results, right? Yeah. They have missed the playoffs a lot. And they won 107 games in 2021. So like two very mixed results this has turned out for them. But 
Uh, no, I don't think that they're going to, they don't have the players to compete at the highest levels of the sport. Yeah. You know, like Farhan, he was getting a lot of love early on because he always just seemed to be like a great day trader who would just make these little micro moves and the guy would come up and hit a big home run for you. You know, like the Darren rough types, but we see the very obvious ceiling that is with that right now, again, to bring it back to Bruce Bochy a little bit, I'm looking at this Rangers team and you talk about not seeing the vision, right? Last year, I did not see the vision for the Texas Rangers. I did not see them signing Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon as something that would put them in a World Series literally one year later. And there they were. The Giants, they still just are missing that dude. And yes, again, far on Zaidi. He was right to not sign Carlos Correa, right? You know, he made the right move there. But at the same time, if you just keep punting and punting and punting, you're just never going to find your guy. I, I've seen some, you know, can they trade for Pete Alonzo? Can they still realistically get Shohei this offseason? You just got to do something. I, I can't go another offseason with, again, Ross Stripling, Sean Manaya, Mitch Haniger, Michael Conforto. Like, if you bring in those guys as, like, complimentary pieces, great. But they, there needs to be an actual meal. There needs to be a steak on my plate. I just can't have side items i can't just have asparagus and broccoli i need an actual steak at the end of this free agency that's what far anxiety needs to bring to the table and that's the only thing that's going to satisfy this hunger that san francisco giants fans are feeling and uh, bob melvin I, I feel sorry for you walking in this situation just because it does seem like we're in a boiling point as a fan base but you know i again i i guess i'll just have to clear my head go in with an open mind wish you the best you can't be any worse than Kapler. So let's just roll through this season as best we can. What do you think of the Giants going into 2024? What do you think Bob Malvin coming to San Francisco? Like to hear how you're feeling about this managerial hire. From Juju and Kyle, stay safe, happy, and healthy. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.